Luke chapter 12, verse 33. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This verse here is buried in the context of this chapter that is describing the anxiety that we have in our Western world that we live in of fear, fearing not having the things that we need, seeking, overemphasizing the things that we think we need to have, not understanding our true need and chasing those things. And then this verse is buried in that. It says in the previous verses, it says, don't worry about what tomorrow, about, don't worry about tomorrow. The verse right after verse 33 says, so go sell everything that you have, give to the poor. And how can we live that kind of a radical life? Sell everything that we have and give to the poor and not even worry about it. And that's a great verse. We can say that's, yeah, amen, brother. But how many of us have all sold everything that we've, we've ever had and that we've given everything to the poor? I don't know. I have not done that. I'll be honest with you. Yes, I'm a preacher that has not done that. What is this verse saying? This verse is saying this, fear not. Because when we understand that there is nothing for us to live in perpetual fear about, then this brings us into a sense of not worrying about losing our assets. Assets that we think that are unlosable. Things in our life that we don't feel that we can lose. Fear has a relationship with shame. And that is, right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, we read that they were naked in the garden, Adam and Eve, and there was no shame. Imagine that scene, Utopia. They were naked and there was no shame. I think that that does not exist today. There's a lot of shame. And it's not, just ne- it's just, it's not necessarily the lack of clothes, but it's the lack of covering. The lack of the need for things around us to make us feel safe and secure. And in, verse th- in chapter 3 of Genesis in verse 10, we see the radical change after they sinned. And it says that Adam said, and, and God comes into the garden, and he says, where are you? And we see the first thing that God is speaking at the beginning of the Bible, we see a seeking, loving Savior God that is seeking for people, seeking us out. And he says, who told you that? Where are you? And then Adam said, I heard your voice. Another, another version it says, I heard the sound of you. And I was afraid because I was naked. There is this fear today that we live in, that people live in because of the lack of covering. And that is what shame is. Shame or the fear, the fear of failure is really the fear of shame. I'm going to be standing in the rain. I'm going to be embarrassed. You ever feel that way? I have, to, I have to avoid that at all costs. Everything, every one of us in this room have had things happen in our childhood that until this day we are manipulating and controlling our lives so that we are never in that position ever again to avoid that sense of shame, whether it's childhood or more recent in our history. Guilt is more about what I've, been, what I've done. Shame is more about what I am. Shame is saying this, there's something wrong. Guilt is saying this, there's something wrong because I did something bad. Shame is this, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me, and I am ashamed of that. And so in shame, people look for covering. They look, for, they look to be buried in something. And so we see Adam in the garden, the garden that God gave him to rule 
to lead, to have authority over, to name all of the animals. We see now Adam hiding in the things that God had called him to lead and to govern and to have authority over. That is the story of human, of the human life, is that the things that God has given us authority over, we wind up hiding in the midst of, collecting around us because we, we sense this shame. The truth here is, is that we hear God speak here in verse, in verse 32 of chapter 12 of Luke. He says, fear not, little flock. Can you sense, can you hear the tone of intimacy there? Can you hear, sense that, that um, voice of a shepherd saying, look, fear not, little flock. Just don't be afraid. Fear not. I love those words because that word not in the Greek, there's two words for that. One means, one word not means it's not there and it doesn't exist and it's never been there. That's not the word that's here. It's the other word that means it's, it's probably there, but it's not something that we're perceiving and it's not something that we are observing. It's not something that we're taking into consideration. That's the word here, fear not. There are things to fear today. For me to say, don't live in fear, I'd be probably lying to you. There are things that we could be very afraid of. But he says, don't fear those things, little flock. And it says here, for it is your father's good pleasure. You know what that word good pleasure means in the Greek? It means that it's his gracious purpose. It's God's gracious purpose. It's God's good pleasure. In the Greek there is a word that means it is something that God not only thinks is good, but he takes pleasure in doing it. He's like, I can't wait to do this. This is just the Greek word here. It's just so beautiful. It means that God doesn't only think it's a good thing, but he's so willing to make this happen in our life. It is God's good pleasure in your life to give you the kingdom. Amen. amen. <laughs> we have anybody out there this morning. <laughs> we can say amen. Come on, guys. All right. We are a little bit of a lively group here. We can say amen. If you don't want to say amen, it's okay. Just one clap will do. That's fine. I'm good. Okay. Just a little... A little feedback here. I'm going to finish right now. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And when we understand the goodness of God, that it's not us in the rat race trying to make it all happen in our life. How many have felt that way this week? Yeah. Trying to make it happen, amen? Yeah. We're getting a little charismatic here, guys. All right. Uh, and we're trying to make it happen in our life, and we're in the rat race, and it's like, I can't do this. We just, we crash, we burn, we're a pile of ashes on the side of the road. Yeah. And God says, knock it off, because I just want, let me give it to you. There's stuff that we don't have in our life today that we've been working all our life for. We don't have it because we don't understand that it's something that God wants to just hand to us. Uh, there's a pastor in Silver Spring, part of our Ch- Greater Grace Church, and his name is Pastor Kim Shibley. And I don't know if I told you the story. Bear with me if, if, if you heard it. They started in a school like this, meeting in, in, in a gym, and they, for 10 years they were setting up shop, breaking down, setting up, breaking down. One day they came to the point where they felt like God wanted to give them a building. And so they started this campaign. They found a building. They were going to start meeting in it, and it was $3 million. $3 million building. And they start talking about, we need to raise $3 million, okay? We need to raise $3 million. And this congregation wasn't much bigger than this congregation here. And so they're working on it. They're working on it. They had this big campaign. They had a guy come in that was real clever, really just awesome marketing. And guess how much they raised? A hundred grand. <laughs> that was all they could raise for this building. And that's all they could do is they take this hundred grand to the building, to the owners of the building, and the guy was like, that's good. We'll take that. And so now they're in this $3 million building, 
And you know what his testimony was? Pastor Shibley's testimony was that God did not give us the three million through our own effort because he wanted to, he wanted to do it himself in the form of a gracious gift. Yeah. Isn't that the way we want to live our life? Gracious gift. I'll take that any day. Because God is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'll close with this. Our real assets as a believer cannot be lost. Your real assets cannot be lost. I don't know if you've ever tried to qualify for a house or a car. And they ask you, what are your assets? Well, I think I got 10 cents in my bank account. That's about where I'm at. My real assets, we cannot be lost. When we live in fear, we're worrying about things that we're trying to control the stuff around us to keep us covered, hiding our shame, don't worry about that. Because when we are renewed, we've got to be renewed in the truth of our identity. It all comes down to our identity. Our identity. Every trial we face, it's a question of our identity. Who are you? Who are you? It's your identity. And if we can understand who, what our identity is in any kind of trial, then we are winners and we're not the, t- we're not the tail, we are the head. What are some of our assets as a believer? He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5. There's five assets, five stones in our little bag that we can face Goliath with. Number one, he's never going to leave us nor forsake. Amen? Number two, he loves us. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. He loves us. He loves us. Can you imagine if God is for us, who can be against you? Number three, your identity in Jesus, that you are a new creation in Christ, that you are not what you used to be. Number four, your salvation. You and I, we are born again by faith. We are saved by grace, not by our own work. And number five, the fifth stone is this, is that God has given us his grace, not just his goodness, but he has purposed in us a purpose according to his grace. So don't live in a spirit of fear let God speak to you. It's, and what's the conclusion here? What am I, what, what's the point I'm trying to make? God is calling you and I to turn away from our supposed predictability of controlling our own protection from shame. And he wants us to rely entirely on him, not making the fig leaves like Adam and Eve did to cover the shame and to control the garden. And when we live in this kind of orientation, we begin to live with just great transformation. We begin to see the hand of God move in such a way that we never saw it before. And I'm just excited about the Lord in our midst. I'm excited about seeing what God is doing, what God's going to do this Thanksgiving. We have some great plans. And later on in the service, when we take the offering, I want to share a few of them with you. Amen. Let's pray.